Welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. On today's episode, we catch you up on all the stuff that's happened since July. Michael Jordan sold part of the team. The Hornets have a new purple uniform. There's new players in training camp. Media day was a couple days ago. And we finished the show with some over-unders to look ahead to the season. See you guys on the other side of the intro music. Hello, welcome back to the At The Hive podcast, season two. I'm still Jonathan DeLong, and I'm still joined by Zach. Zach, how are you? 704, what's up? I'm good, Jonathan, I'm good. The season's about to start. Um, All of our all-star players are still on the team. Um, (laughs) Things are just really looking up. Everything, (laughs) nothing bad we can say right now. Everything's sunshine and rainbows all around. But no, yeah, but I had is, a good summer. Did you have a good summer? I did have a good summer. It was a it was a relaxing summer after getting over the whole uh, everything is bad for the Hornets, <laughs> and then just being like, all right, I'm gonna take a break from this for a while. Content for a little while, and at the hive, I needed some. I needed a, a semi sabbatical. Well, that's good. It'll be 90 degrees for the next two, three more weeks, so you've got some more time. Yeah. But yeah, so this is still a podcast. We're still here. We're back for season two. And uh, the big news on everyone's mind, I'm sure, because that's what everybody cares about. Uh, the Hornets have new uniforms or a new uniform. Cha, Jonathan, they cha do. Cha. Cha. Cha, cha bro. Cha, they have a uniform. <laughs> do you like it? Absolutely not. I look, you don't I, at all? I don't. I like that. Look. I like the colors. They didn't change the colors, so they don't, they don't get credit for that. Good job. Um, Good job with the purple and teal uniform for the purple ex- and teal team. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> the biggest difference to me is that they put CHA on it. And, you know, if there's an airport, I think, in Tennessee that's CHA, that's their kind of thing. Chattanooga. Um, yeah, there you go. There you go. I just – like, CLT would have been better or – like, even if you just put the crown, like I was thinking like a teal crown or something would look cool. I don't, so, do you like it? I do. I, I do like the idea of like the, the crown stylize, how the Hornets stylize it. Yeah. It's like a little more edgy and sharp. I like the uniforms. I The Shah, they said, was because the um the league designates them as, as Cha, like when on the score bugs and stuff like that. So good I, reason. I get it. Good reason to, to put it on your jerseys. Good reason. It makes sense. Um. I, th- I think people would like it better if it was CLT. I also think CLT like pasted on a jersey kind of out of context would look a little funny, especially, like I said, when it's juxtaposed with the abbreviation for the team being CHA. So I could see where that would be kind of clunky. Yeah, sure. But if you're walking around Charlotte, people know yeah. Charlotte for CLT. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, they're not the end of the world bad. You hear commenters just being like, these are disgusting. I don't think they're disgusting, um, but I don't think they're great either. 
Yeah, the, well, that's the way it works with the internet. Whenever any team unveils new branding of any kind, whether it be new logo or uniform redesigns or anything like that, Twitter is just like, all right, it's time to roast whether or not they're good. Yeah, it's a, you so, well, you have to have a hot take, right? You have exactly. To come out hot with it. Well, well, let, well me, no one... let me give you a hot take. If Terry Rozier goes underneath the legs for any passes this season, <laughs> I'm going to be very upset. That was a promo image. Uh, I think that's just like generic promo pose number four because there's pictures like in the the chorus editor that we used to write. There are pictures of the rookies like PJ Washington and Cody Martin and some other players, and all like several of them have pictures of them passing a ball between their legs like that. None of them should. There's, that's no, going straight into the stands. It is not a game. It is not a game motion. But but I like the uniforms. I think I like that they replaced the purple uniforms that Horns already had because it adds some variety as opposed to having three of the exact same uniforms with different color arrangements. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just wish they would have made a better decision on just the letters. <laughs> like, I, I like the Hornets. I guess I kind of like the weird, what do you, what'd you call that, stripe, half-stripe things that come up on the shorts? Oh, the stingers. Um, sting. Oh, stingers. Okay. That's what they said in the little uh, uh, release, yeah. Yeah. And also, just give me some pinstripes, man. I'll go <laughs> home happy if you give me some pinstripes. As long as they're, like, real pinstripes and not the the... Bat, the ugly pinstripes the throwbacks have um the last thing i want to say about the uniforms have you seen the all fly visual i don't know what they're calling it kind of branding they've done this year yeah i did and i saw the little like 30 second video of it and everything like that i think that has a potential to make some dope uniforms if they do that right yeah okay i could see <laughs> it happen i mean i show them to me do it For well the city and show it to me yeah yeah We'll see. Their city oh. uniforms, though, that Buzz City uniform is, that's hot. The black one? Yeah, love that. We'll one. see what they do. A do black, I don't know. I just want to see that, like, the swirl um, and the, the teal purple gradient and stuff like that. I think they can make it work. Um, elsewhere with the Hornets, Michael Jordan is no longer, like, 99% owner of the team or whatever <laughs> he was before. Yeah, he's not. I doubt I would doubt that anybody's going to get any actual say at least as far as the draft is concerned oh no or um, anything basketball related yeah and the other thing is i bet he made a mint oh yeah it i think i, I there are people that were worried about it a little bit like is he like gradually get, like the team and i think it's just him being like hey here's a way i can make some money and functionally do everything the same way i've been doing it yeah, I, I doubt that he's going to leave the Hornets. The thing about owning any M NBA franchise is that it puts you into a class that not a lot of people can get into. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much money you have, you know. Yeah, and it's just like he's still controlling. He still has the controlling stake. He still makes all the decisions. Now, he did, but he just gets to pocket some money and still do all those things. Especially yeah. with how much the team has grown since he took over. I think it's was like. What three hundred something million dollars he bought it for? Now it's worth over a billion. Oh yeah, like, I mean they basically back. handed him that franchise. Yeah, like he probably bought or sold off like his entire purchase price, and he's basically now just owning the team off a net zero loss. Yeah, it it would be cool. I would love to see a different approach, especially to the roster building, but. I mean, this is Michael Jordan we're talking about. Not only will no one contradict him, probably. 
I doubt there's he has a lot of patience for hearing, you know, how he can change. Yeah, I think when you're the greatest, just, you know, it's hard. Yeah, he got to where he is by being who he is. So I don't think he's going to change much. I think if anything, the two new guys, because they're both like investment bankers, they might just have new uh, business ideas for the business side of things. I don't think there's any intent for them to have any sort of say in basketball. No. Uh, Moving right along, speaking of basketball, we have seven players, and I think Robert Franks was the only one of these seven that was officially signed when the last time we talked. Um, He's on a two-way deal. Ahmed Hill is the other one on a two-way deal. Thomas Welsh is on an unguaranteed contract, but I think it's a regular contract. And then Joe Cheely, Caleb Martin, twin twin brother of Cody, Josh Perkins, and Kobe Simmons are on Exhibit 10 contracts, which are basically training camp deals. Do you see any of those seven doing anything for the Hornets this year? Anything notable? Did you wet your pants when Cody's brother signed? Is that is that what happened? I know <laughs> no. that you were talking you were talking about him last uh podcast we had. Yeah, it'd be fun. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna be in Greensboro though. Yeah, the only person of interest a little bit is the the Welsh is Thomas Welsh, right? Yeah. He's interesting because he didn't shoot a three pointer in college until the very last year. Is that right? Yeah. And then he became kind of proficient. I think he he shot over a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he went into the, he did the pre-draft process and he worked out with the thunder, I think. And he asked them what they needed from him to see him as a better NBA prospect. And they're like, well, you have to shoot threes. So he's like, all right, gotcha. And he went back and just shot a million threes over the summer. And now that's his thing. That shows something. And, and that is something that we've talked about that the Hornets need, um, whether or not you can do it at the NBA level with uh, elite competition yeah. is a different story. I, I, I feel like he's just another Frank Kaminsky. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't expect him to be the kind of creative score that Frank can be when he's feeling it, but he's another, he's just going to take that place as like the third string center that can come in and shoot threes and provide a spark when the offense is looking real ugly. Yeah, the difference is we didn't draft him with a first-round pick. No, and he's costing like 20% the salary that Frank is costing the Suns this year. Exactly, which I thought was a really weird uh, (laughs) signing from the Suns. Oh, for Frank Kaminsky? Yeah, I don't know how that all fits with Sharich and Aiden and all the other centers they have on their team. They're a little bit of a train wreck themselves. They're a lot of a train wreck. Um, I'm interested to see what Caleb does. I think it'd be fun to be like the the team with the twin Martin brothers. I don't think they'd be good enough to be anything significant as the twin Martin brothers, but I could. I feel like he's got first dibs on if a roster spot opens up and they're looking to fill it with a 10-day contract. They're like, hey, let's just get Cody's brother because they seem willing to keep that connection alive by even entertaining signing him to a deal. Like they signed him to the summer league roster even though he didn't even play because he was hurt. Yeah, that's weird. And Cody Martin himself didn't really impress me in summer league. Didn't mm-hmm. put up stats very much. It, you know, it's weird that you would sign his brother, you know, to make him feel comfortable or something like that. When we're talking about somebody who is he going to be here in two years, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. But other than that, I like the whole, the whole like 
totality of the summer league or the uh the offseason guys sorry i got distracted um they do the same thing that everybody else that the hornets have acquired does they all can shoot and they all have the capability of defending ahmed hill is like the prototypical three and d player i like the two-way contract on him robert franks can shoot don't know if he can do the d part but he can shoot joe Cheely can shoot caleb martin can shoot josh perkins can shoot kobe simmons can't shoot but he can jump so that one's the only one that's weird yeah he and was the top recruit Go ahead. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Oh, he's the top recruit coming out of high school, though, so I don't hate the, you know, taking a flyer on the talent. Sure. And best case scenario, in my opinion, with these types of players is that they become some type of trading block that we can use. Because um, you're mm-hmm. not, you know, we're not at the point as a franchise where. You know, you can get someone, some two-way player to give you three or four minutes during the playoffs. That's not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is trade assets and trade value, um, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to be flipping them for first-round picks or anything, but it's like a sweetener. Like, if you can be like, oh, we'll give you this expiring contract for a bigger deal, and we'll also throw in this young guy that might have a some appeal to you as well. Exactly, exactly. Like, Welch or something, Welch with something for a pick from Golden State, so they can mm. get the stretch, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's always what I'm thinking like, about. Yeah, yeah, something like that, and it'd be like a second round pick or just something minor. But we're in a position to hoard as many assets as we can, be they big or small. You know it. Um, the other big thing going on with the Hornets was Media Day was on Monday. Did you follow along with Media Day at all? I did not. I I read up after the fact, but media days you know i'm not used to following that kind of stuff i follow basketball so when basketball is played that's <laughs> i follow i hate to be like that but that's really how i feel about it um though i did oh, yeah. hear some interesting quotes read some interesting quotes um i don't know if terry rogier if it's good or bad that he has a chip on his shoulder um <laughs> you know when kemba had a chip on his shoulder he was he still had leadership qualities he was still a team player i'm not saying saying Terry doesn't have those things, I'm saying I haven't seen mm-hmm. them yet. Yeah, it, Kimba's chip on his shoulder was like a um like a quiet cockiness, but then an outward humbleness, like humility. Right. Terry Rozier is just like outwardly brash and it feels like it doesn't matter who's in his way, like he's gonna prove everybody wrong. And that could include his teammates and his coaches and everybody else. Exactly my fear. Yeah. My favorite thing from Media Day, and this isn't even Media Day related, is I barely even knew that Bismack Biombo talked to somebody. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like all of the Twitter feeds between like Rod Boone and Rick Bunnell and Steve Reed and everybody I could find that was at Media Day, they had like a ton of uh, coverage on like Terry Ogier and James Borrego and uh, Malik Monk and all that stuff. And I found one one tweet from the Hornets account itself with a comment from Bismack Biombo, and it was about Terry Rozier. It wasn't even about Biz himself. <laughs> it was just Bismack Biombo saying he thinks Terry Rozier is a great addition and he thinks the team is in the right mindset because they've all been working. And then everybody's like, all right, thanks, Biz. See you later. Well, all right. So I heard a quote or read a quote uh, from Bismack Biombo. Did you read the undefeated um, piece about him or uh, about Africa? He basically said that we have to stop ignoring Africa's problems and that's not basketball related, but it is a mm-hmm. part of Bismack Biombo's story. Yeah. Um, 
and that was really interesting, but it's not part of media day. But you know what? I mean, if you're on media day, we're talking about the Hornets. You know, what are you asking Bismack Biombo? Like, how many <laughs> yeah. passes are you not going to catch this year? <laughs> yeah, I, it would have been. I guess it would have been nice for his sake to hear someone, you know, ask something about something he cares about. But he's probably the least interesting Hornet heading into this season. Because I think everybody's in agreement that he's not part of the future, and everybody's pretty much on the same page as the quality of player he is. So it's just kind of, and it's his last year with the team. So everybody's just kind of like, yeah, he's here, whatever. And we have a few players who it's their last year with the team. They're on expiring contracts. And maybe that means he'll put in a little more effort. Um, you know, maybe magically his hands will start working. <laughs> and, you know, again, I'm thinking trade chip. I'm thinking an expiring contract, that kind of thing. Gorgie Jang. That's that's who I've got circled and starred and checkmarked. Because he's like the exact same length contract as Biz, but it's one year longer. And the Timberwolves have no use for him anymore. So. Huh. Keep your eye on that. Okay. Um, from James Borrego at Media Day, he said a couple things that I thought were interesting. One, he alluded to the fact that he's like Kimba's a great player and all, but the ball went through him too much. It stuck to him too much, and they don't want to do that this year. I think everybody says that every offseason. Every coach says that about their team. The ball's going to move Let's get the better. ball moving, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I do think there's some truth to it this year without Kimba on the team. I don't know if Terry Rozier will be any better about distributing the ball, but the Hornets definitely do need to get more team-oriented with their play next season if they're going to have any sort of success. Jonathan, why did the ball end up in Kemba Walker's hands? Oh, because he's a player that could do anything. But Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, I don't feel that way. I feel like that's how you had to run that offense because of the, of the talent we had around him. That's yeah. a whole other thing. I don't know enough. I mean... I don't know about enough right now about how Terry Rozier's game is going to translate into this type of team. Um, like you said, I think there's a possibility he gets frustrated in the middle of the season. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the team fits. And I do think that Borrego wants to spread the ball around, but like you said, all coaches say that at the beginning of the year and then you start to find something that wins a game and whatever that thing is for your team is what you're going to continue to do yeah if you're if you're a competent coach that's what you do as opposed to trying to square peg round hole what you think will work ahead of time right um the other thing was he said that um he's more comfortable in a of this season which i think is a good thing because last year it felt like the Hornets started to get away from some of the things he wanted them to do, and it didn't seem like there were many consequences for it. And again, this is just coach speech that everybody's going to say, but I do like the idea of James Brago being like, look, if you're not going to try on defense, you're not going to play. If you're not going to do this thing, you're not going to play. Well, and there's nobody there, minus maybe Terry Rozier, who <laughs> has that kind of clout with the front office that they'd be able yeah. to go over his head. Not that, you know... I feel like Kemba went over his head a bunch, but if anybody is the leader on this team right now, it's James Borrego. Exactly. It's the, like it used to be Kemba Walker's team. Now it's James Borrego's team. For good or ill. Yeah. Um, the other thing that stole the headlines is Malik Monk apparently gained 23 pounds since the end of the season of muscle. Eating in bikers. There's For one, it's like physically impossible to gain 23 pounds of pure muscle mass in about... Uh, 
what that's that's months? not what the ads on Instagram tell me. Okay, <laughs> they say so, by Christmas I'll be three hundred pounds of pure muscle, <laughs> all natural. Um, so I'm interested. I'm curious. He does look bigger, but I don't know. The twenty three pounds of muscle had to have come with some, you know, bad weight along with it to help facilitate the muscle growth that I'm sure he'll lose as the season goes on. But um, good for him, I guess, for hitting the gym, which he's needed to do for a while. Yeah, I, is that muscle going to better his court vision or his three-point shooting or his defense? He, well, yeah, he did a lot of curls for the eyes. Um, <laughs> it should help him with his defense, I would think, at least like theoretically. Being yeah, able the- to... theoretically is the key phrase there. You have to have instincts on defense. And yeah, that that's what I want to hear. I definitely want to hear you about you being in the gym, and then I want to hear about what you've done to improve your game. Um, mm-hmm. It would be all talk now anyway, but yeah, like him and him and Billy, it seems is a much like especially with Malik, it's not as much an athletic limitation that keeps him from guarding well. It's a mentality and a focus, and it's the same thing with Billy. Billy's not the most nimble player, but he could be a better defender than he is. He just doesn't have the awareness, and both of them struggle with that. So it doesn't matter how much muscle mass they have. Yeah, and Borrego said he's got to work on his defense this year. I did like him just kind of straight out. Like That was the first thing I saw when I was pulling up stuff for media day was Borrego says that Malik Monk needs to play with more defensive intensity. Yeah, and if you're Borrego and you're looking for ways to win, win games, Malik Monk is one of the best chances on this team. So he needs to be able to bring it on the defensive end so that they can play him more minutes to score buckets i mean i think that's out of the the few wins the hornets are going to get this year i do think there's going to have to be a couple that come from malik monk just catching fire for a night and he needs to play defense to stay on the court long enough to do that yeah so in that same vein the one of the things that brago said was that he doesn't know his starting five Mm -hmm. So, so the question becomes jonathan what's your starting five to start the season assuming health well, I, I think he says that. I'm pretty sure he says that knowing like four of the five starters. Yep. Because I think Terry Rozier, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, and Cody Zeller are starters for sure. Would you agree with that? Oh, man. Who's going to shoot the ball? Well, Dwayne Bacon and Terry are going to shoot plenty. Yeah, sure. Terry will. Dwayne Bacon. Mm. I don't know. Without Kimba on the court, he will shoot. I have no doubt in my mind that he will not hesitate to get shots up. Yeah, so if I'm winning game, if I'm trying to win games, um, I think I start Marvin over Bacon, just because Mar- mm-hmm. at this point, Marvin is better than Dwayne Bacon, and Dwayne Bacon has a, some potential, and some commenters think he has a world of potential. But Marvin Williams is an NBA player. Um, yeah, I was on, gonna say you're gonna make you're gonna make many people mad saying Mario uh, Williams is better than Dwayne Bacon, which yeah, I agree. But we haven't even gotten to the shooting guard yet. I think I think it'll be Razier, Bacon, Bridges, or Batum, Bridges, and Zeller. And I think everyone will be very mad that Batum starts. Yeah, agreed. But I think I think Borrego will find want his defense and his playmaking in the starting lineup to complement. Rozier and uh, Bacon's shoot-first mentality and Bridges' general passiveness. Yeah, and that's and that's how I would start the season 
anyway because you want the people on expiring contracts, possible trade chips, to show that they can play, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season. And then like what you talked about in your, your piece that you wrote yesterday on Tuesday, that was um just throwing young players to the wolves and saying, go play basketball. It doesn't necessarily make them better. Like they need to be in situations that they can learn from that they can develop good habits in. And that doesn't typically happen. If you have like Devontae Graham, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Billy Hernan Gomez playing 40 minutes a night together. And just not knowing where to go, having no leadership. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we're going to get into more of a preview of next of next season, this coming season. On the other side of this break, we're going to do some over-unders and look ahead to the season. Welcome back to the At The Hive podcast. It's time for over-unders to preview the season. Zach, are you ready for this? I'll, I am not ready, but I <laughs> I will do it for sure. <laughs> Zach is going in blind. Uh, I do not know any of the over-unders he's about to ask me, so every pick that I make, hold me to it. <laughs> we got 10 of them. We're going to go through these. We're only going to spend like a minute or two on each of them. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Terry Rozier over or under 18 points per game? Over. That's not it. I think that's easy. What do you think he's going to get? So you think like way over? Yes. I mean, I think he is going to have a green light to shoot the ball. You know, as much as Borrego is talking about moving the ball, there's really nobody else on this team who can score. Like even Terry Rozier can score. So, I mean... It, while losing games, I think he's going to score 20-plus. Yeah, I think I would go over two. I think it would be like in that 19-and-a-half, 20-and-a-half 20 range that he'll finish with. Um, not by like a ton, and he'll be one of the lowest scoring top scorers in the NBA, but I do think he'll surpass 18 points per game. Next, Dwayne Bacon, 18 points per game. Lower. This what guy. This guy was on was in Greensboro last year, you know? <laughs> I I really like Dwayne Bacon, but we've got to stop with the hype train about this guy <laughs> and let him develop as a player, you know? Um call it call it eleven points. Oh maybe only 12. eleven. You're on you're uh, on way down below eighteen. Yeah. I, I I also don't think he's going to get the playing time that some people think he's going to get. I mean obviously you've got him as a starter. Um, yeah. I've, I foresee him coming off the bench the majority of the season. How about that? That's that's spicy. Because James Borrego, even, I think, even said at one point that he thinks Terry Rozier and Dwayne Bacon are the top two candidates to lead the team in scoring. Um, I think it's going to be under 18, but I don't think it'll be by that as much. I think it'll be in, like, the 17 ballpark, very close to 18. Um, I think 18 is probably right around what he would be shooting for or what would be a realistic expectation for his ceiling this season. Okay, so between Terry and Dwayne, that's that's forty points um, ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just I adding up the <laughs> points here with everybody else. I guess we're going to score a lot of points this season. Well, we're not going to go over under with all the points, so we're going to leave it. plenty of holes to fill that in. But the gotcha. last one was scoring. Who do you think, as a follow up to the Dwayne Bacon question, because this and this leads into the next one, who do you think will be the team's second leading scorer behind Rozier? Then, League Monk. Hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think, how about yeah? How about I want it to be Miles Bridges? Okay, so how about over under fifteen points per game for Miles Bridges? What a segue. Good job. <laughs> <Steph>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um. Yeah, that's about good right there. You know, add mm-hmm. add eight or nine rebounds, and I mean that's a a great year for him. Um. I would call it over because I like to be an optimist, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's score three hundred points a game. Yeah, everybody's averaging twenty a game, fifteen <laughs> deep. Um, I'm gonna say under but not by a lot yeah that that sounds like his number roundabouts yeah it's like that's what with, with same with Wayne Bacon from in my opinion I think that's like his number 15 is kind of that's why I picked it but I think I would have to guess like 14 or 14 and a half would be where he finishes if I had to bet money on it it's but a, it's I do think there's a Vegas chance knows what they're doing well I made these up so oh did you yeah oh well so excuse on- me Fire. Yeah, sat sat down and typed these up. Ready for the next one. We're back to Terry Rozier. Five okay. and a half assists per game. I think I'm going over. Um, it can't be much more than that, but he's going <laughs> to have the ball in his hands making the plays that happen. I don't think there's yeah. going to be a lot of plays that happen, but <laughs> that'll that'll give him six you know, assists a game. Yeah. Kimball Walker, for reference, averaged 5.9 last year. I think Rozier will probably average pretty close to that, especially if he plays 38 minutes a game, like Borrego said, because that's a lot of minutes. Yeah, and like I said, he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to be the operator of the offense for good or bad. Yeah. Okay, so both on the uh, over by a little bit. Next, Malik Monk, over or under, this is a, a twofer, over under 40% shooting and over under 38% from three. Oh, oh, hard under on both. Hard under <laughs> on both. So much for being the optimist. Well, I'm not an optimist on Malik Monk. I've really tried to be patient <laughs> with him. Um, but, I, again, so you're saying 40% from the field, 38% from three, right? Yeah. Yeah, I. you know, he could do 35 from the field and 30 from three, which makes him not a great player, to ha- not a great shooting guard to have on your team. <laughs> I think... I think he'll go over 40% from the field because he got better finishing inside the arc last season and he was close to 40% from the field. I don't think he'll get to 38% from three though. I think he'll be one of those guys that everybody views as an above average three point shooter, but he's going to somehow end up with like an average three point shooting percentage because his shot selection is so bad. And he's yeah, 38% is a pretty high number from three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For his career, he's 33 and a half from three, 37.6 from the field. So I'm banking yeah, on some improvement. Like you are you're keeping it there. Mm-hmm. PJ Washington over under 20 minutes per game. Miles Bridges for uh, comparison averaged 21.2 last year. I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is he gets playing time. Um, so over 20. Yeah, but that's again you put you put the number right on it. Like. <laughs> I think, I think it, de- it depends on how hot Borrego feels his seat is. Yeah, that could that could definitely affect things. I would say under, because I th- for one I think Miles Bridges was a better prospect coming in, and two there's not a clear path to playing time for Washington like there was for Bridges. Like Bridges didn't have much in the way of competition for minutes last year at his position. Washington has to play has to go up against Bridges and Marvin Williams at the four. And then uh, 
Cody Zeller, Billy Hernandez, so it'll be tougher for him, I think, to get consistent court time. Yes, which begs the question why you would draft a PJ Washington right after you drafted a Miles Bridges, knowing <laughs> knowing that there are expiring contracts and it doesn't matter. You pick the best player and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm just saying it, it wasn't a great fit if you thought you were going to keep Kemba Walker, which Kupchak might have done, was super surprised that he got the all NBA. Should I keep going and just monologue <laughs> about Kemba Walker and that? What a horrible travesty that was. <laughs> I think it's time. I think it's time to move on to the, sure, sure. the present day Hornets. Um, but I think it'll be under, but it'll be like, like 17 or 18. And I think he'll play plenty. I think he'll play enough to keep Hornets fans happy most of the time. And then of course there's always the door open being, being opened by injuries or trades and such. Uh, here we go. This one's interesting. Willie Hernan Go- Billy Hernan Gomez, assuming Cody Zeller is healthy for all the games that this applies to, over or on under 0.5 starts. So does Will- does Billy Hernan Gomez start a game with healthy Cody Zeller in the lineup? No. You I think Cody think- You think Cody starts every game he's healthy? Yeah, uh, yes, assuming that, you know, uh coaches DNP for rest or something like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I mean, because I, I, I mean, assume Cody's going to miss games this year. Yeah, and as not a fan, as I am of Cody Zeller, I'm not a Willie Herm- <laughs> Hernan Gomez fan either. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, especially going into last year, after how strongly uh, Billy finished the 2017-18 season, people thought he could give Cody Zeller a run for his money as the starter. Um, we can see why he didn't back then. Um, I don't think this season will be any different. The only way I could see that happening is at the end of the year when it's time to just like throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, Otherwise, sure. And maybe you've you've traded Cody Cody's yeah. at the end of the year. Who Let honestly me ask you might... this, Jonathan? Yeah. Over under zero point five hairs on Cody Zeller's head by the end of the season. Is that <laughs> that's very oh, mean. That's too... Hey, bro, I'm I'm right there with you. It's happening to me too. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, see, he's, if, he looks quite a bit different than uh, he did as a rookie, as a young guy back when he's wearing the Bobcats uniforms. Hey, man, we all get older. That's just the way it is. <laughs> it's he's he's kept his youthful exuberance though, despite his hair turning on him. He's got a very young face for what's yeah, going on. I know. <laughs> I know. He he needs to do the the Greg Olson thing and just wear a beanie all the time because that's that's why Greg does it. I'm pretty sure. Greg rocks that balding head for sure. And he just, but he wears a beanie at every moment possible. Yeah, yeah. while he's sweating, like after the game, <laughs> he's like showing up to training camp in ninety-five degree heat wearing the beanie. <laughs> I see you, Greg. Um, next, Cody Martin over or under sixty games played with the Hornets, assuming he's healthy for the whole like for the whole season. Under. He's in Under- Greensboro most of the years. Oh, what I'm 50, thinking. Sorry, fifty. I meant that one. I I changed that one and then it didn't. Okay, fifty. Gotcha. Because Devontae Graham played forty six last year. Yeah, I'm I'm still going under. I'm not sold on Cody Cody Martin. I really don't know why we picked him when when we did. Um, surprise me though. Make me make me mm-hmm. regret that. You, what do you think? I think I think he'll go over. Because I think this team's going to make it very clear very early that they're not going to win a lot of games, and so they'll find they'll manufacture some minutes for him. Like I think Dwayne Bacon is going to take the role of Jeremy Lamb this year in terms of 
production and touches and such. Um, that's and then that leaves and Malik Monk will probably keep a similar role to what he had last year. So somebody has to take Dwayne Bacon minutes from last year. And I think Cody Martin will take a lot of those because I don't know who else will. When you say his minutes, obviously you don't mean the position or his style of play or anything. You just think no. it's the minutes, right? Yeah, just like his spot in the rotation. Because like I said, if Bacon is elevated to Lamb's spot in the rotation, I don't know who takes Bacon's spot other than Cody Martin. So like you're you're substituting in a game, right? You're consider mm-hmm. you're considering Malik Monk before you consider Cody Martin. You're considering putting in PJ Washington before you put mm-hmm. him in Devontae Graham. Um I just there's not a lot of it doesn't seem like there'll be a lot of playing time for him. You put in uh MKG over Cody, right? Uh, maybe I don't with, know with all his faults. I, I mean, I feel like there's a disconnect between MKG and the coaching staff based on you know what happened last year, and then he said he thought about opting out, and then I don't know if you saw the stuff from Media Day. They're like, "What's your role this year?" He's like, "I don't know," and so I don't know. I, don't know I what feel like there's been MKG. a disconnect from MKG to the basket for a very long time, <laughs> and it'd be Dude, great you, if he would disconnect from the Hornets. And you are. In midseason form, uh, bro, you, this, you is, this is just this is just reality. I'm just speaking the truth here. You know what I mean? Seen, you put in your offseason work. Yeah, can he hit baskets? Am I well, am I wrong oh, about no. that? Okay. No, you cannot. Right. But yeah, I'm just talking. <laughs> the, the delivery is on point today. Um, yeah. all right, we got two more. So one, Biombo, Marvin Williams, Nicholas Batum, Michael K. Gilchrist, Cody Zeller, five players, five veteran players of big contracts. Over or under three and a half of those this season. I'm sorry, man. You cut out. What what was the question? Over or under three and, a, three and a half of Biombo, Williams, Batum, MKG, and Zeller being on the roster at the end of the year. God, three and a half is a large number. Um, so do you think we'll keep, get rid of more than one of them, essentially? Yes. Okay, so I you think, think at least two will be gone? Yes. If 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 there's a head in the front office, I would assume so. There's a little value in Marvin Williams. There's some value in Nicholas Batum. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the contract is big, but you know, depending there there's just are ways to get these contracts off your books while also creating draft capital. And mm-hmm. someone up there should be able to figure that out. Don't you agree? Yeah, Marvin Williams is a plus asset in my eyes. Between with his contract expiring and his abilities as a player, three and D power forward, I think the Hornets can actually get something real for him. And then I think one of Biombo or MKG's salaries should be able to give them something just purely as an expiring, regardless of the player. Um, and there's also a chance one of those two gets bought out, where the team is just like, hey. Go see if you can latch on somewhere else. We're going to use your roster spot to give a young guy a shot. Yeah, sure. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they use it in a trade combination, but we're talking about the same front office that got blindsided by Kemba (laughs) Walker leaving. Um, But you got to think they're going to use these. Like Nicholas Platoon, I believe, still has a good reputation in this league, although um, he's not been playing the best. I think that, you know... A, a Warriors team or a someone, even 
give the the New Orleans Pelicans a chance to really compete in Zion's first year. You know, anybody, anybody, just give us anything. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, I think I do think his reputation is probably better around the league than it is among Hornets fans, just because people of people's inability to separate his play from the contract. All right, Zach, last one, and this is the one I didn't make up, but this is the the grand finale. Over or under 23 and a half wins for the Hornets. That's the Vegas line. Again, that that's close because, like we were talking about, Vegas knows what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But if I'm running this team, it's under. If I'm running this team, I <laughs> want that win-loss record to be under 23 wins. Um, because we're, you have to have a goal in mind for your team. Mm-hmm. And the goal should be draft capital. But that's around the number I would pick, isn't that what you would pick? I think that's on the high side of what I would pick. Okay. So I would go under. I think the team wins between like 18 and 22, 23 games right around. And maybe I'm just being biased by what I saw last year, but that's where the the bottom feeders finished last year. Like New York won 17, and then Cleveland and Phoenix won 19, Chicago won 22. Like I think that's the the tier that the Hornets fall into this year. Yeah, and I think that we are in. Be- this is going to sound bad, but we're in better position to lose games. You know, New York has a different uh, schedule now. Chicago mm-hmm. has some decent players on their team. Yeah, I don't ever know what Cleveland is going to do. Uh, <laughs> And I mean, Cleveland may be one of those teams that we're competing with to get to the bottom. But as bad as it is as fans, you know, you have to plan as a franchise. I think it'll be easy to stomach knowing that that's the expectation going in. And then starting in like November, we can look ahead to I'll look at all these cross picking in the top five. And that tends to uh, keep fans hopeful and optimistic and and stuff like that. Yeah, and I was talking with uh, or uh, writing with a, a commenter on our site at thehive.com. Please go visit. Um, but surprise mm-hmm. me. I want to be surprised. I would love to see them win a bunch of games, and I would love to see all this young talent develop and Dwayne Bacon become the second coming of Dwayne Wade. But that would be a surprise to me. What I expect to happen is that we lose around 23 or less games, you know? Yeah. So with that, first episode of season two of That Dive Podcast is in the books. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us after our uh, summer off. Look forward to covering the Hornets this year and all of the the good and bad that comes with it. Probably more bad than good, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Peace (laughs) out. Later, guys.